Hey there, this show is brought to you by our Patreon at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. We've just rolled out a bunch of changes uh, to that, offering new rewards, and we have some new milestone goals set up. This very show uh, is a product of one of those milestone goals, or one like it that we did in the past, and then met. I guess that's clear. Um, <laughs> so go to uh, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, check out those changes, check out the rewards, and if you can, kick us a couple of bucks a month. It really does help us. Thank you. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And this is File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that R.E.M. is America's best hard rock band. <laughs> try to convince you that R.E.M. can rock. If you thought R.E.M. can rock, <laughs> listen to this episode. Have you heard a little album called Monster? Monster. Release. Have you heard a little song called King of Comedy? <laughs> <laughs> Released September 27th of 1994. Um, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's a weird one. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is like we we talked about in the last episode. All these albums kind of make interesting pairings. This makes such a much such sense as a response to Automatic for the People. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, very specifically after Automatic for the People, they did kind of a band meeting um, <laughs> in in Mexico, in uh, Acapulco, and uh, and said like, hey, let's what are we going to do for the next two years? Yep. Like, do we still want to be a band? What are we going to do? And this is, uh, they said, no, we need to make an album that does that that actually rocks. We need a tour behind it. So where Bill Berry said, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of famously, you know, if we make an you know another album, another acoustic record, I'm going to quit. Right. And um, uh, they they yeah. just they decided, ah, we wouldn't be REM if you did that. So let's make Monster. Yes. <laughs> um, which I mean, which is a rock album. Yeah. Like this is the most uh, the most solidly a rock album. Uh, they've done even 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 more than document oh yeah document has like a lot of horns and like king of birds and, and yeah, that's all, okay yeah, things yeah. like sonic and this, stuff like <laughs> this is this is such a weird album and that like i know that that is a very vague term to use um mm-hmm. like i think that this is a little bit of a fables of the reconstruction kind of kind of, kind of situation where people will hear something you know like the like the songs in this that sound pretty similar um, things like, uh, what's the frequency Kenneth and star 69 or crush with eyeliner to a certain extent. And mm. we'll say like, Oh, like this is totally the, like the upbeat rock album, uh, that they're, that, that, that they're going to do. And much like fables, um, had some of those real downbeat, like, Hey, this is a dour song about somebody from the South. It was like, that didn't end up being the thing. Like this is like really experimental and uneven. <laughs> yeah and, and like yeah. in a way that like the broader conception or like the like the the easy story doesn't actually capture i think that's true i think that even the experiments definitely have um kind of a rock edge to them hmm. whether that is rock like literal like kind of hard rock like those songs you mentioned or like you know something like uh strange currencies which is like a like a Mott the Hoople prom rock song. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't sleep. I dream, which is like a, like a glam rock song. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like them, you know, taking these, these kind of explorations of rock. It's also something, and, and this is a, a evaluation thing. So it's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I feel like the difference between this and, and fables is I don't think these experiments work. Oh no. <laughs> like, I think the experiments on this are pretty bad Yeah, and, and it, and it makes the album like, th- I don't like this album that much. It has high highs. <laughs> I, I think, I think that there is an amazing EP here. 
And I'm yes, a monster amazing. defender. Amazing. Like yeah. amazing. Like like a six song thing that just like, this is so good. This is essential REM. Why is nobody listening to this? <laughs> right. And then six songs I don't want to touch with like a 10 foot REM pole. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like, like you could, you know, if I never hear fucking uh circus envy again i'm good <laughs> yeah like uh, hey hey tongue get that out of here go yeah. whack that other way <laughs> honk a man <laughs> like what is going on <laughs> what is this so there, there's like uh you know and the other like this is it makes such an interesting we keep saying this it makes such an interesting pairing with um God with new adventures because yeah. I feel like new adventures is the good version of this. Yeah, like like new new adventures is like the version that they that they that they wrote after they got the cobwebs out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and wrote on the tour and was just kind of like, okay, what if what happens if we're not being quite so intentional about making a rock album? Like, what if a rock album just kind of happens? Yeah, you know, and like, but yeah, I, I think that like this is this is a rough record for me. Mm-hmm. Um, while I'm really happy to call singles from it, yeah, oh, you know, I've, or I've, like sing like singles, individual tracks. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely in that same camp, and like historically, so you know after <sighs> after we talk about this, I'm probably going to settle back into saying like no, no, like like Monster deserves more attention than it gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm going to settle back into that. Like, don't take that as me um, forgetting that uh, that tongue exists. Uh, yeah, pl- you never forget the tongue. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's interesting. Yeah, you know, and it's it's a. I, you know, I'd rather the they have taken say about it. I'd rather know, they have taken the risk than not. What was that? One more time. I'd rather they have taken the risk than not. Yes. Yeah. If they had done another acoustic album after this, or even something that's a little bit more interesting, like if reveal had happened after automatic, mm-hmm. like that would be really rough. Yeah. You know, or, or even up like up is, you know, I like something that is like softer mm-hmm. had happened. Like they needed to reset. Uh, and this is what that feels like a little bit to me. Yeah. Um, intentionally doing this rock album, which again, they, this is a dream deferred, you know, they intended to do that for automatic. <laughs> right. Um, so they did this meeting. They said like, we have to make an album we can tour behind. We have to, uh, make a rock album. Um, and they kind of came back to the world and playing live at the uh, MTV music video awards, um, in 1992. Um, yeah, yeah. those are all, I think, uh, MTV music awards are almost all on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I really want me and Brayton to do one of those as a Teenage Dirtbags live stream. Mm. Maybe we'll do it during Duck Stream this year. Oh, we'll yeah. stream uh, one of the music awards and oh, that'd be great. the commentary. Because <sighs> I, I loved those. I watched, watched oh, those I, for a year. It, it was an event. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, event it, doing for sure. If, if, I can, if, I can make a, uh, if I can make a recommendation, uh, pick the one where Eminem. Uh, so it was the year that uh, the, the Real Slim Shady came out uh, mm-hmm. where Eminem just started getting in fights with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to, my initial one I was going to do is the one where Nirvana performed and uh, <laughs> Kurt Cobain chose just to troll Axl Rose during the entire time. Yeah. It burned in my head of him, like, you know, Kurt, Kurt Snowsell throwing a bass guitar up in the air, hitting, <laughs> braining himself, yeah. falling over while Kurt Cobain just yells, hi, Axl, Axl, hi, hi. Hi, Axel. <laughs> like, okay, sorry. do that one. Do that one because I forgot. One of the best moments. Like I, I remember that Chris Novus like uh, hit himself in the head with his bass, <laughs> but I forgot that it was on MTV. The uh, the YouTube of it is so dumb because he literally like nothing else could have happened. Like he literally <laughs> threw it up and then looked at it until it hit him in the face. Like, he kind of <laughs> holds his hands up, but not in an effective. Like he never tries to guard himself. Oh, it was deer in the headlights. Like, yeah, yeah. He he. Like, what have I done? <laughs> And, and just drops and nobody in the band like you know it's it's very funny <laughs> dave's back there writing this as a call 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't need this. I'm gonna outlive both of you fools figuratively and literally. Like Chris is still alive. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I meant he's the, he's the figurative. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, heaven forbid I uh, don't give credit to whatever Chris Novoselic's terrible band is right now. Um. Yeah. So this uh this album uh so they they set out to make a make a rock album um and then kind of lyrically um you know we talked about this last time Stipe's uh kind of response to this came out of two kind of two things like a lot of that invasion of his privacy it feels like mm-hmm. where he's like i'm gonna make us an album about sex i'm also gonna make an album about this kind of uh identity issues yes um and specifically uh about sex mm-hmm. kind of things uh, that played its way into the lyrics and into the kind of musically um there's a quote that comes up a lot where he says like a lot of uh records are kind of cerebra a lot of records are from the heart this one is more from the crotch it's kind of a dick record yep and that that seems you know, honk a man like that that seems about right <laughs> yeah um i'm way down with a sleazy record um i'm a i'm a huge fan of queens of the stone age and i think they're at their best when they're just fucking you know? yeah like i just i just picturing them sticking their tongue out and making that exact sound um so like that element of this i think works really well for me personally yeah. i'm i'm a i'm i don't really like sexy rem Mm. Uh, this is just going to cement my reputation as the network prude, but like <laughs> it is, uh, I don't, I don't really like sexy songs. Okay. Uh, there's a couple exceptions, but I don't really like songs about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's song about sex by neutral milk hotel or another song <laughs> against sex. So that's even, you know, but yeah, the, um, so, okay. <laughs> so, so you contradicted I yourself. I, I don't tend to, uh, I don't tend to like songs about sex and sexy REM always feels ridiculous to me mm. a little bit, yeah. Like there are elements that work like crush with eyeliner is kind of sexy. And that's song I like that song quite a bit. Yes. Um, but I think tongue is the natural ex- extension of like, Oh no, sexy REM. And that's not okay. I just, I made a gesture uh-huh. where I crossed my front arm, like my, my forearms, <laughs> like I was a referee. <laughs> yeah, you, did, you did the sign of the cross. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it just, it always feels a little silly to me and that's just, uh, you know, I, I I can't I can't so why there are a couple of songs that are explicitly about sex that really work for me yeah yeah uh, but it's 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 the exception not the rule yeah um and even when it's not like the actual um kind of like at the forefront of the lyrical content um mm-hmm. that kind of like slinkiness and sleaziness like informs a lot of the sound of this as well yeah you which know, is, so I think like, is also something that doesn't go to my I don't think that there's anything objectively wrong with that it's just not yeah, towards yeah. my taste yeah you know um so this yeah. is this is the album that was kind of made under protest bill barry as we mentioned last time said like hey i'm gonna quit if we do another soft acoustic album um and peter buck was absolutely fine with that like he was he was kind of delighted at being able to pick up an electric guitar again and he is in the forefront of this album in a way that uh he kind of hasn't been for several years or mm-hmm. if ever <laughs> it's very strange to the guitar work on this because it's not uh like it, it, this doesn't feel to me like an instrumentalist's album no no uh, a lot of the songs the guitar parts are very garage bandy they're texture. you know like it, it, it's texture but not complexity or like kind of musicianship yeah so like something like what's the frequency kenneth is like that's just like tons of overdubs of a distorted guitar <laughs> yeah you know there's not there's a solo in it but other than the solo there's not a lot of technical things going on yeah. or like crush with eyeliner is an effect mm-hmm. you know there's there's a, the 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 musicianship in this is actually pretty simple yeah like, uh, like what's the frequency Kenneth is like three three chords it's it's, yeah. it's like d to g to a and, and like, i love that song like, yeah. i'm not i'm not complaining about it no i, I that like that but, like that, that is not a mark against it but it's like yeah. most of the musicianship is actually happening in just like weird studio fuckery yeah that it's, Peter it's, there, Buck it's was in like a weird way, way. yeah yeah there's there studio so he's in the forefront but he's kind of workman like like mm-hmm. you know you're, you're kidding yourself if you think peter hostepel couldn't do this right you know like this is just somebody playing some chords for the most part <laughs> um with it you know again a couple of solos and stuff 
Yeah. Um, but it does kind of put him as far as a musical instrument kind of up at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, when they put this out, you know, because they're going to go on tour again and make a big push, uh, they have a really weird uh, promotional thing. And it's a pre-CD-ROM yep. it's uh, a thing that came disc. out of floppy disk. <laughs> Uh, that is ripped to YouTube. That'll be in the notes. And it's super weird. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Uh, it, it took me a while to realize it wasn't like a VHS that was done in like a like like a weird demo scene or like lo-fi style. Like, hey, this <laughs> is incredibly rudimentary compu- computer graphics. Um, they include like snippets of songs, but they're super compressed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's unhearable. <laughs> and they're like, mixing is, in yeah, like they, they, they've got this. The, they they lifted the mascot for this album, uh, Migraine Boy, from like an independent comic from like a magazine that they found, mm-hmm. uh, which ended yeah. up being a little bit of a like Ugh, with uh, with uh, Bill Barry's whole situation. But yeah, yeah. I ended up actually getting uh, Migraine Boy. Like I had a weird brief obsession with Migraine Boy. Because of this, because I was, you know, super REM fan. So if like Michael Stipe liked something, I would like it. <laughs> um, and like looked up a bunch of my Green Boy stuff. And there's some uh, sh- some video or animated shorts. Hmm. I think were part of Liquid Television, possibly, or some MTV thing. But you can okay. you can go on YouTube and find migraine migraine boy shorts. Is 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 his superpower that he has migraines a lot? It's just a grumpy kid. Um, <laughs> he, he does have he does have like migraines a lot, but it's just like a little gag strip of like people coming up to him and talking to him and him being pissy. Okay. But, yeah. Um, uh, the actual album art, you know, the migraine boy, the front of it's this out of picture, focus picture of a bear. Uh, another video compilation came out of this parallel, which had kind of their second set of music videos yeah. since the last one. Yeah, uh, a lot of stuff on it, but um, it's all stuff that we've talked about. So there's not a lot yes. of new ground to cover there. Talking about the production of the album. So Scott Lit is back, uh, mm-hmm. baby, uh, and they yep. recorded their demos in New Orleans. So, you know, they've they've kind of again, they're falling into these uh, into these patterns. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing with Scott Lick coming back because they there's a quote in one of the books I said I read where they specifically say uh, that they wanted you know they said like the easy thing to do to change your sound is to get a new producer yeah and they didn't want to do that mm-hmm. so I think that kind of speaks to like how the sound is changed by that studio trickery mm-hmm. you know it's not a, it's not an organic change of song sound it's not like these are just a bunch of REM songs and they sound different because they're produced different mm-hmm. um, I mean that's what's happening but it's not just the touch of a producer it's much more drastic because it's you know, it's their standard producer. Right. You know, it's not just like, what if Butch Vig, you know, <laughs> produced this or something like that, you know, which would have been like the direction I, you know, you, you could see them going towards or like um, the guy from uh, uh, you know, songs about fucking. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, the lead singer of that band who is a big producer and I'm losing my punk cred <laughs> uh, so fast right now. The band is about Big Black and Steve Albini. Okay. So it's not like if they just like chose Steve Albini or something like that to produce, which would have given it that different sound, but it wouldn't have had all the weird trickery and stuff that like feels a little unnatural and like it's very like, you know, effort, like a huge effort to sound different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like that was also a decision of like almost like pragmatism as well. They didn't want to as they were changing and as they were getting uh, as they were changing their sound and as they were getting ready to tour again, they didn't want to change another variable by like having to, you know, rebuild from zero this relational equity that they had built up with Scott Litt, you know, over the past however many albums at this point, it's like five. (laughs) <laughs> they had said there's a quote where it's like we aren't the easiest people to get along with yeah, yeah. you know and, and scott can get along with us yeah and all of us can tolerate each other so yeah, yeah. um, um <clears throat> so like the early recording process um was disrupted by the death of R- river phoenix so we haven't talked about this but um michael stipe kind of has this club at this time of you know young celebrities who are dealing with fame <laughs> um mm-hmm. 
and he was a, a really big friend with River Phoenix, you know, the child actor. Uh, no, like I know him from Stand by Me. Uh, Stand by Me. Um, you know, so River Phoenix died uh, by overdose outside of the Viper Room, which is uh, what is that? That was Johnny Depp's club in L.A. or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And like, like this, this rocked Michael Stipe to his core. Like he, you know, they were writing these songs. They got like five of them down. Like, hey, we're gonna get these onto the album. And then he just went into full on depression over over his friend passing away, like really unexpectedly, because River Phoenix was kind of this advocate for like clean living. Like he wouldn't even eat cheese, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real bummer, you know. And this is gonna kind of be marked by a tragedy that actually interrupted the recording, but. The way that people assume the uh, recording for Automatic for the People went is how mm-hmm. this went. Yes. Like, this is where everything is sad and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that happened, they got back together in 1994 to record these demos, uh, live demos, or record the actual, you know, songs live mm-hmm. um, uh, in the soundstage in Atlanta. Uh, they brought in Pat McCarthy to help with this, uh, who's a guy from the Cutting Crews. And uh, because they, I feel also because they recorded live, that's another kind of, uh, you know, thing that, that motivated all this sound fuckery. Yeah, yeah. So like tons of filters, weird amps, um, you know, I'm going to hit this thing with a wrench. Like I'm going to, you know, take this water jug, like things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just real, real weird shit. And then they finish it off in Miami. It's not quite the, the tour, you know, but. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but there were even more setbacks, you know, as they, as they go about this, I had to break it out into its own header. So, <laughs> um, like everybody's body started, started falling apart during this. So like. There's if you listen to uh, what's the frequency, Kenneth, it slows down slightly at the end. I think it's kind of fucked up that they use that take because uh, Mike Mills suffered a bout of appendicitis and he was in such pain that he couldn't actually keep the beat. Yeah. Yep. yep. When they all slow down for him yeah. and it's like uh, the opposite of what usually happens. Right. Usually things speed up. Um, you know, during this also, Michael Stipe got like this tooth abscess uh, that required medical attention. Like everybody's, you know, Bill Berry got super flu. <laughs> Not the like capital S super flu, but everybody got kind of fucked. Yeah. On everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was like happy stuff too. So like Michael Stipe had, to, you know, he, he took time off to, uh, to spend time with his sister, Linda, uh, after she had her baby, um, you know, Buck took basically a paternity leave because his, you know, then girlfriend and eventually would be wife, um, uh, had twins, Zoe and Zelda, which are great names for twins. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like they, like they were spending, you know, spending time with their families as well and that delayed things too so the weirdest thing about uh peter buck's twins right so okay. his twins these, these zoe and zelda on the documentary for this they refer to him as having twin boys what yes like if you watch the the tour documentary uh of this um he talk they talk about bringing his t- his twin boys uh, on tour and, and multiple people do it like Mike Mills, <laughs> Bill Barry, everyone's talking about his, his two boys. So does, does Peter Buck have two sets of twins? I, I don't know. Right. Like it's kind of confusing. Yeah. Like all the books that I read indicated, indicated that like the, 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 the twins that were born during monster were Zoe and Zelda. That's what I thought. That's what I thought too. But the documentary seems to contradict it. Huh. It's weird. Um, I mean, maybe they just picked on standard names, you know, like that's, yeah. That's the thing you, that you could, could do a, a person named uh, a man named Zelda. Yeah. They did those video games about that. Yeah. Guy yeah. About, yeah. About the, about the man in green with the, uh, with the sword in the, in the right hand. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the gender of, of, of these kids or how many twins Peter Buck has. It's possible that he's just a machine and just makes twins. <laughs> he yeah. looks, he likes redundancy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> he's got a backup set. <laughs> he, he needs four kidneys at any given time. <laughs> 
Um, so the thing yeah. that I think a lot of people associate with Monster um, and kind of the curse that surrounds it um, is uh, related to the death of Kurt Cobain. So again, this this kind of club that Michael Stipe had, and you know this relationship that he had with all these people who were struggling with fame, like they had this friendship, um, you know, with the lead singer of Nirvana, um, and that seemed pretty unlikely based on their music being pretty disparate. But like Kurt Cobain was a huge admirer of REM, basically saying like, "Hey, these guys are are great, and they're saints for being like legit all the way, no matter how famous they get." Yeah. And their music is not as disparate as it initially seems. Right. Right. Like, the, you know, the secret of Nirvana is they're a pop band. Right. You know, and that's why, like, I've, I've talked about this a lot on different podcasts, but, like, that's the reason why those guys work for me, where something like Alice in Chains sounds like garbage. <laughs> right. You know, like, Nirvana is just a, is a is a pop band. They do pop songs that are just really distorted mm -hmm. and everything. It kind of makes sense, you know, because yeah, yeah. REM, you know, at their best is also a pop band. Mm -hmm. And prior to going into full-on mandolin mode, mm -hmm. like, they wrote songs that were just kind of pop songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so they're, they're not actually that that disparate. No, they're marketed um, so, very differently, and I guess that's where that, that comment came from. For sure, they're definitely marketed, and, and a lot of people probably feel like they're totally, you know, completely different. Um, but it makes sense for them to to be, you know, to be friends. Um, they had planned a collaboration, uh, Michael Stipe and Kurt Cobain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're kind of in the initial. Nothing had been recorded, but they were fairly far along in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, he Michael Stipe uh, had brought had bought Kurt Cobain. He knew he was having a hard time. Uh, bought him a plane ticket, out, plane ticket out of Seattle down to Georgia, um, in order to like work on this stuff. Yeah, to like, uh, Cobain, to, like get him away from well, an and, environment yeah. that would have been really destructive for him. Yes, like to get him to work on this stuff in it in order to distract him. Right. You know, like because uh, he knew he was having a hard time. Instead of doing that, um, of course, uh, Kurt Cobain killed himself. Um, you know, if if you don't believe the documentary. The, um, the, yeah, I know. I like Kirk Cobain truthers. Like, Fucking, you know, it's, I, it's a real tedious. thing. Yeah, I know. I've, I've interacted with many of them. Yeah. Truthers are not okay. Yeah. No, uh, no matter what the, the truth yeah. is, you're trying to, to express. Like, yes, I, I understand that Courtney Love have, has problems saying she literally killed him. That just kind of comes, comes across as sexist. Sorry. Guys. It, if, yeah. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so instead he, you know, he, he killed himself, which like, you know, not to totally derail us, but like that was a big deal when I was love Nirvana and was 14. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that's like, I remember, you know, where I remember where I was during nine 11. I definitely remember where I was when I found out Kirk Cobain killed himself. Yeah. Like that was a big deal. Yeah. No, I was, I was way too young for that. Oh. The, um, yeah, I was in a pool in Florida. My, my aunt and uncle took me to down to Disneyland or Disney oh. world or whatever one it is. And I had made friends with like a, a kid, like kind of another grunge kid, mm -hmm. uh, who was in the hotel. And then he found out and then he told me and uh, we had like had a moment. Yeah. It's very weird. It's very weird to think about. It was just me and the stranger who both really love Nirvana um, and uh, and found out at the same time. Yeah. It's weird. So, it's weird how those big how those big moments are. But this is not related, but like it was one of the most bizarre instances of that after the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they, they eventually caught the guy who did that, you know, kind of that same night. But my brother was in town and we were like, oh, well, let's go walk. Let's walk down to the, to, you know, to the restaurant, get something to eat. And like somebody who lives in a house, I've never interacted with this person in my neighborhood, like ran out to the, to, to the porch and yelled specifically to us. Hey, they got him. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks for letting me know. It's good to know. Yeah. Geez, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, those, those weird moments that everybody shares, no matter how momentous they end up being. Yeah. So th this kid, this kind of had a huge impact. Yes. So like, again, this was, uh, similar to like a river Phoenix kind of situation where it's, uh, you know, delayed things where they had to kind of deal with that. Um, Michael Stipe ended up, you know, kind of like 
taking Courtney Love to the MTV Music Awards as this gesture of solidarity. Um, you know, saying like, hey, we're friends. Um, and everybody thought like, oh, are they going out? Like, is she the next? It was just. Yeah. I, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, kind of gross. Yeah. And they, they were just friends. Like they were friends individually too. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they shared a lot of the same politics. Like we haven't talked a lot about Michael Stipe and PETA cause it's, it's a little regrettable, but like they were peas in a pod related to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's in PETA is pretty regrettable. Yeah. Um, as a thing. Oh, pets should be out loud. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause they should, let's give them voting rights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's ridiculous. Yep. Um, you know, Peter Buck even said, like, you know, if we had broken as big as Nirvana did, we'd be dead, too. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's a big deal. Um, but they got over that eventually. They never really quite got into it. And it informs the album, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did these kind of final over dubs at uh, Scott Litt's studio in L.A. Um, and during the session, like, they broke up. Yeah. Like, they were just like, they hated each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it got so bad. And eventually they had to have, you know, a bunch of meetings, which is like, I love that. That's how R.E.M. handle problems. <laughs> like, we we have to tolerate each other. Yeah. Like, we can't, uh, you know. We have, a, uh, we have a contract, guys. Yeah, like, yeah, like we, uh, yeah, it is, uh, you know, it's not okay for us to be like this. But they couldn't stand each other. It was just, everyone was just, fuck off. Yeah. Go to hell. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, weirdly, during like, the final mixing, uh, Michael Stipe, having nothing to do because he wasn't really involved in that, decided, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna take one of the studio's laptops, hop on to an AOL chat room, uh, an REM AOL chat room as Stipey, and just start yep. sharing some deets. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the the book that, I, the, that I've got has some excerpts of that. Michael Stipe is a terrible typist. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't really care. <laughs> no. Um, the um and all these things are archived. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot more of this during uh the reunion, kind of their 2012 stuff, and all this yep. stuff is really interesting. He answered like a lot of questions of people. He's pretty gracious. Like he's a terrible typist, but he's yeah. he's very sweet. Yeah. Um, and his relation with these this AOL fan community like continued. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this tour was huge. Yeah. Um. They did this. Uh, they started out. They rented a. Uh, they did a media event at a rented castle in Ireland. <laughs> um. So, like we're King Dork. Uh, kind of went through. Imagine Mike Mills in a little crown, uh, like like a King Boo, like a tiny crown. Yeah. On on his weird haircut that looks like he does himself. Even though this is you know after that, this is when he started doing. Went into the barber shop and said, "Give me the weird Al circa 1986." <laughs> um. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so they did the, like, this was, you know, the part of their extended coming out saying like, Hey, we're going to be going around to all these places. Like, like it's a straight up like world tour. We're going to go to Australia. I think they had a few dates in Europe uh, or no, they had a few dates in, in Asia. They went uh, to, to Europe, to the UK, and then uh, they would end up in the U S um, and there's a documentary of this um, called rough cut. Uh, this is really bad. I don't like this documentary at all. <laughs> of the tour the documentary yeah it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of rough it's interesting to see yeah right yeah. so like there, there's interesting behind the scenes stuff that happens and you can kind of see them being you know kind of hounded mm-hmm. you know it's interesting to see what like life looks like for REM. there's a really charming bit of it where uh michael stipe is in the back of a limo and uh brandy comes on the uh on the the radio Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and he's funny and charming about it with his driver and like he sings it and he's like, oh, this song is so misogynistic, you know, because like <laughs> it is very misogynistic yeah. and stuff. That's kind of cute, but it's real fly on the wall. And if that doesn't appeal to you, like don't watch yeah. it. Like if you're not an REM super fan, you have no reason to want to watch this. Yeah. The fly on the wall stuff, like actually showing like, here's what the backstage of their, of their venues looked like. And here's like the setup and logistics. I'm down with all of that. I just didn't like the stuff that felt very staged. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so too. I I agree with that. And like some, there's the performances in aren't that great. It's like them getting ready. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, it's it's kind of close to a, a demo mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah. Um. So for this tour, they needed some extra personnel. They ended up hiring um uh, Scott McCaughey and Nathan December uh from two bands uh who who apparently I didn't see fit to write down the names Scott, of. Scott Maha- McCaughey is uh, the guy in uh. Not let's active, but um, yeah, or it's something like that. I mean, it's not yeah, let's active. Yeah. The DBs, it might be one of the guys from the DBs. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a there, there's another member. They have a they have a woman uh, that, that I saw in some of the performances playing uh, violin for some of the oh, softer yeah. songs, but I, I I couldn't find her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so they they brought definitely brought on uh, some people over the tour because the album is full of all that trickery. Like they can't mm-hmm. do everything. Right, yeah, right. They were explicit in that. And they were also digging back to these, you know, songs from the previous two albums, which were never written to be played live. Right. Yeah. So they needed, yeah, so th- you know, they, they like they needed some flex players to like pick up some of the weird instruments to do something like a Losing My Religion, you know. And and that would have been interesting to see. And there's a documentary for Up where they actually show that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's really cool to watch the uh, fly on the wall stuff of the, watching them learn how to play these songs with three people instead of four. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the tour is huge. Um, this, this 47 man crew, six tour buses, a nursery for, for Peter Buck's twins. Um, <laughs> you know, it is, it is a huge, huge tour kind of, you know, not like a U2 style thing where they, it's like a huge rotating stage and like, you know, towers of, of video monitors, but like, you know, they had a projection that could kind of move around. It was a big production by REM standards. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they had a lot of like audio visual stuff. They got like prominent directors to do like short snippets and things. Um, and a thing that like logistically made this kind of a nightmare was they didn't have a set set list that they would mm-hmm. take every single night. Like they, they played around with, with what their opener and their closer would be. And usually that stuff is really locked in, yeah. um, you know, as you, you know, get that where it's the same kind of thing every night. Yes. It wasn't the case this time. Yeah. Um, this, there is a, uh, a video of this, uh, road movie 95, um, which kind of captured uh, the last leg of it. And it's very good and has a lot of preview material from, uh, upcoming album, mm-hmm. uh, or from uh, new adventures. Yeah. So in like a surprising amount, Yeah. you know, at, at this point <laughs> they wrote new adventures on the road, mm-hmm. uh, for this. So they were testing it as they went and it, it worked out really well. Yeah. Um, like there were a lot of people who came out, you know, like most of these events sold out within a couple of days. Um, if they even lasted that long, you know, just tens of thousands of people coming out, all this pent up demand. Um, and they were just hounded, you know, day and night, like in the book that I would, you know, was, was pulling some of these notes from like the, <laughs> the way they encapsulated this by saying was like, it was crazy enough to make Peter Buck stop drinking. His yeah, quote is, yeah. it was so fucked up and chaotic. I quit drinking. I stopped drinking in February and I didn't have another drink until the end of November. I was just like, this is too insane. I have to be sober for this whole thing to keep it together. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so contrary to his old tours, you know, where he'd be drunk and sleep all, you know, sleep all day and, and things like that. So this is, this is very different, yeah. very different flavor. Um, yeah. So, uh, while playing the song tongue, uh, which, you know, some kind of message in, uh, Lausanne, uh, Switzerland, Bill Berry has an aneurysm on stage. Jeez. That's so scary. Um, oh yeah. He just like, uh, he, 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 you know, slowed down and they finished out the song and he got up and walked up to Peter and said, Hey, my head hurts. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the drummer from their, uh, from their supporting band, uh, Joey Peters of Grand Lee Buffalo came up and took over, uh, for the rest of the set. You know, he, he had listened to the songs and Peter Buck like helped conduct him through it. Um, mm-hmm. and they finished it out like professionals, but like Bill Berry didn't get better 
Like the pain yeah. just got worse and worse and worse. He had two aneurysms, uh, one of which ruptured, which like that puts your risk of death at like 50% is what the yeah. book that I read said. Really intense. Yeah. Yeah. And like he was in the best place for that to happen. Like Lausanne, Switzerland, he, like has really good hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he came very close to dying. Yeah. Huge deal. Ridiculous. Um, a bunch of dates were canceled because he had to have his skull opened up like a treasure box, you know, like a turtle, <laughs> right. uh, in order to, in order to do surgery on the sweetmeats within. <laughs> yeah, and um, they had to like yeah. clamp off clamp off a vein so it didn't burst in his head. Um, um, so yeah, like Bucks, Peter Buck said, yeah, we need to stop because this is just going to get worse. But Barry was like, no, no, like we canceled those dates. We can try and reschedule some of them. It's fine. Like he recovered very well. Like before they went back, he was even like golfing 18 holes. So, like, yeah. you know, a miraculous recovery it. by all, by all, you know, uh, yeah. rights. Yeah. Yeah. He made it, mm -hmm. which is great. Cause, uh, you know, as much as I've been ambivalent about him, I don't want him to die from an aneurysm. Right. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, yeah. yeah. So when they went back to Europe. Uh, Mike Mills got ill mm -hmm. at this point. Um, he did not want to, you know, want to quit. So he stayed on and got taken on and off the, the stage on stretchers. Yep. Um, because he had an intestinal adhesion. Yeah. So remember that uh, uh, case of appendicitis? They went in there, you know, took it out, but just different pieces of his guts were sticking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just everything's going wrong. And yeah. that's like, this is what happens when you get old. Yeah. You know, like that's all <laughs> I could think of reading this. It's just like, oh, like <laughs> we all have this to look forward to. Your bodies are betraying you. Um, yeah. he has the most, the, the, the most, the most Mike Mills possible response to this, just saying, oh, the law of average is caught up to us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Michael Stipe, uh, the singer who kind of needs his diaphragm, uh, mm -hmm. was suffering some gut pain. Turns out herniated diaphragm. Yeah. He, so he, he also had a hospital. So everything was going wrong medically yeah, uh, yeah. on the biggest tour of their life, which like they hadn't done this in a while. They're, you know, five or six years older. Than they were since the last time they did this. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, that's going to make a, a a big thing. And it's a miracle the tour was documented so well and turned out as well as it did. Yes, you know by all accounts it's a really well received tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, uh, and the final disaster was Mike Mills's rhinestone suits. I I, I love it. It's great. It's like, I, it's it's, I'm best. dressing up like Daddy. Like it, it, it's. <laughs> I, I like the suits. Like, it, it, like I think that they're, they're they're objectively kind of hideous, but the fact oh, that he wears them and sticks with so. it. Yeah, like like his quote about it. I don't know if your book had this. Those suits are beautiful, and anyone that doesn't like them can kiss my ass. Rock on, yeah. Mike. <laughs> that, that's uh, that that's so good. Um, the uh, yeah. So it is a. Uh, uh, the way he does that, one of the fly on the wall things in road movie is him picking. They do like a lot of costume changes oh, during yeah? this tour, which is really strange. <laughs> yeah. And they uh, they show him uh, picking him out, mm. him like just being like, hmm, you know, like and it's he's very got cute. his whole wardrobe. Yep. Well, he, him picking out the rhinestone. It might be the first one he's in. Um, it's before they do Saturday Night Live. Mm. Uh, specifically, he like cho he chooses it, and it's really uh, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, it's, it starts out as just like a western shirt that has some rhinestones and then by the end it's a full-on like rainbow suit he's wearing a coat of many colors it is uh it's really ridiculous and this is what that's what rock and roll looks like to him he's yeah. gonna play that kind of music like that's the thing that makes sense yeah um i think that's very funny yeah um, so all of that aside they they lived through the tour 
um like the tour itself wasn't that well received honestly like people went out to it and they saw it but like this was one of the first times that they got like backlash critically about like their live mm -hmm. shows like they were like cover stories written about how they were kind of making a bad choice by leaning into this and who knows how much of that is like weird sour grapes or just you know criticism for the sake of criticism who knows um, I, see i had read i had read up like not I had read stuff that didn't support that. So at the oh, very really? least, it's well, kind of mixed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, 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 the reception, because I had read people responding to it well. Hmm. Um, who knows how much of that is like revisionist history stuff, too, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I didn't meticulously check the dates of everything mm -hmm. uh, that I read, but I, it's definitely something where like some people were were into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm positive it was a really fun time to go to this because like, you know, it was the first time they'd done a lot of this material live and like they had rearranged stuff and, you know, like this was material that however misguided some of it might have been, um, was written specifically for that venue. You know, like mm. I, no matter no matter what somebody at a British magazine would have written, I would have liked to have gone to it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I agree. Like uh it's a it's at least at least interesting and like there's an element of shaking off the dust and resetting, mm -hmm. which is kind of part of monster in general. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Speaking of monster in general, uh, let's talk about the album. Yeah. So this has two yeah. sides. This has head side and tail side. So this is a monster itself. Yes. Um, yeah. And it opens with one of their strongest openers, I think. Oh yeah. Um, in, in the, uh, the, you know, the spirit of begin the begin and the like, mm -hmm. uh, what's the frequency kind of, Yes. Um, and, you know, when we talk about the openers kind of setting the tone, you know, this is not jangly at all. No, like, no, no. This is it, it opens up straight on a D chord, uh, which is the most rocking of all the chords um, with this, you know, kind of like incredibly indistinct fuzz over it. It doesn't sound like any guitar tone that we've heard on an R.E.M. song in general. Yeah. And it, it's the composition is like that, too, because it is very simple. It starts with that D chord. It doesn't move around a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it is written to be a catchy rock song. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything about it is like not punk, but like, you know, a rock song. Like it is it is a thesis statement mm -hmm. uh, in a way that kind of informs the album in a way that they, you know, they haven't like it's very similar to Drive, mm -hmm. but they don't do that often. Like they just tend to be kind of outliers. Yeah. Um, um we're, like weirdly um this is a return to melodic bass like the mm -hmm. like the like the bass in the previous two albums like has been has been nice and there have been high points for it like man on the moon or you know uh i guess losing my religion i'm just naming the singles at this point but like it's mostly been workman like and in support of some of the softer sounds like you, you know for all the for, for all the ink that has spilled about peter buck and mike mills um or not mike mills peter buck and bill barry getting to like shake off the dust like the, the the bass part really shines on this yeah yeah it's um yeah it's 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 really uh it's really really great song super super catchy um the lyrics are good as well mm -hmm. um the kind of this is you know this is the doki doki panic of rem anecdotes yeah um like <laughs> saying saying what this is about or what the title refers to mm -hmm. um this thing that happened to dan rather uh, where some maniac came up to him and, and asked him, Kenneth, what was the frequency? Because the person who did that uh, was possibly on on drugs and thought that you had to dial into like another dimension. Yeah, yeah, you know, something like that. Yep. But it's kind of used as this refrain here um, for this song that is, you know, very much kind of like I don't know, like not an adaptation, but an ode to like Slacker, the movie, you know, the the the, the Richard Linklater movie, right? Yeah. Well, in specifically. Um, there's a character where he says, you know, Richard says uh, withdrawal and disgust is not the same thing as apathy. Richard is reading from uh, Brian Eno's Oblique Strategies. Yes. 
in that scene. So it, it's a quote of a quote, mm-hmm. um, but it plays into kind of the lyrical themes of the song, which is about youth mm-hmm. um, and kind of feeling alienated from youth, um, specifically like these kind of, uh, you know, him kind of like studying youth, still coming away from it and feeling a little like for an album that's so informed by the dick mm-hmm. and so young, it kind of rejects. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a youth anthem. This is like an anti-youth anthem. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, irony is the shackles of youth. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you you wore like our expectations like a like an armored suit. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, these kind of like condemnations. Yeah. It's it's like a, it, it is a song about youth written from the perspective of somebody whose only exposure to youth is through the media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um you know, and it, it's a. Uh, uh, the the lyrics to this are not direct in a way that I can really appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of back to that. Yeah. Um, and it kind of comes from, I think from writing from a character place. Mm-hmm. Um, this song isn't necessarily character. You know, I feel like I, I could imagine Michael's type feeling this way. Yeah. Yeah. But we're back to a respectful distance, <laughs> which is something I value in, in this band. Yeah. Um, I love the, uh, butterfly decal rear view mirror dogging the scene. Just like, like, yeah. like, like as a, as a series of syllables, like it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but um just like a series of syllables and just a like a rapid rapid fire of images that really works yeah. well for me i love yeah. the video for this mm-hmm. um because like th- this is also like a little bit of a debut of the new look for the band you know michael stipe with a um you know with a shaved head and mike mills with his uh with with his new suits and stuff like that but like the way that everything is shot and framed and edited you know like you begin you don't even see any of the faces uh, for like the first half of the thing. And it's mostly like cutting to the different band members when they are not doing the primary thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like uh, the person who's actually being most active in the music is never in focus when they, you know, when, when, when they're doing their thing, like it's yeah, entirely other, other than Michael Sype, who does get a good amount of jump around. Oh yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that this is very similar to drive or what have you, where I think it's an interesting idea that doesn't sustain a whole video, hmm. you know, like this is a cool video. Um, it's kind of like an anti-music video yeah, yeah. In, in a way, but it's, there's, it's like something or the, the replacements would make. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. They, um, the, the generally if the band is playing instruments in a, in a music video, it's very hard for, for me to find that that interesting. Right. You know, like I, I'd prefer somebody to do something kind of different. Like it's a, still, it's a good video. Yep. Um, and it was, when I first saw it, it was real mind blowing, like not necessarily the video, but just seeing the song. Like, I remember very specifically seeing this on MTV before I got the album. Mm-hmm. And just being like, whoa, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and it was the first time I saw Michael Stipe bald and it's kind of punk and cool. Yeah. Um, it's very good. Yeah. Also, they performed this with, uh, with Dan Rather himself. Like Dan Rather was a, was a good sport about this. Yeah. There's a real goofy, uh, David Letterman. Yeah. Kind of skit about <laughs> this. Um, my first, uh, my high school band, uh, covered this. Yeah. Uh, we covered the song. It's great. It was fun to do. It's fun to um, do in karaoke. Yeah. It's a good song. Um, second song. Uh, also I think the second single. Or not second single, but a single on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crush with eyeliner. Yeah, um, this is a great. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're continuing the good opening here. Um, so this is super weird. Uh, it's super uh, super kind of sexy. Uh, like mm-hmm. it, like it, it leans into that part of the thesis of the album. You know, again, like it's very very straightforward. You're like you know, talking talking about a crush. Like this is a song you know about somebody who's kind of walking down the street. Yeah, I mean, it's got that, but it's also it's it's about that, but then also this identity mm-hmm. piece. Like this is the song that is the synthesis of the two themes of this album. Yeah. To me, because it has all this stuff about inventing yourself as well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is a, a Michael Stipe pet theme and stuff. He's talked about in interviews and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
along with being about this kind of crush. Yeah. yeah. Uh, being kind of infatuated and things like that. Yeah. Um, this whole idea of being, uh, you know, being fake or not. Yeah. Um, I, I could be your Frankenstein, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, later he said that was a New York dolls, uh, thing. I think like a, yeah, a homage. Yeah. This is full of weird things where he's saying the, the text about this is like them being like, well, we thought this, so we thought we had to do an homage to this. Like <laughs> Thurston Moore plays on this and that's why. Yeah. Um, there's some kind of like, Oh, I use the, it's like, God, it's something really wanky. <laughs> I think it's like them saying they use the same tremolo thing. Yeah, that Sonic yeah. uses. So as a as a highlight, let's invite Thurston Moore to play. And it's like, <laughs> or as a, as an homage. Yeah. Um, kind of weirdly wanky. Yeah. Um, but the uh, describing somebody as three miles of bad road oh, so is good. one of my favorite <laughs> like metaphors. Yeah, because yeah, that's because, really good. <laughs> like it's it's not a flattering depiction, but like I've been attracted to women who are like like you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of, yeah, kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, just um, the, uh, like they, they repeat this. I just, I, I, I love this, this phrase. Oh, my kiss breath turpentine. It's like, yes, mm. you know, like that closeness strips away the paint, <laughs> you know, yeah. gets rid of all of it. Fuck. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really good at So that tremolo and kind of that delay, uh, like it defines and sets the tempo, the, the tempo for the entire thing. I love kind of the plotting, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of hit of this because it mm. does like, like it is the tempo of like a brisk walk down a road to me. Like, like that, like that, that is the image that I get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good number. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so far so good uh, <laughs> yeah. on the record. Uh, the videos, um, the, the, the videos fine. I see. I think this is more interesting yeah. than the, uh, the, the, uh, where it's because it's all about this identity thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like the, you know, the band, it does the, the hook, the hook draws <laughs> yeah. you in where it shows the, uh, you know, you know, that has more story to it, Yeah. but it shows this band as like a bunch of fun you know, Asian teens mm -hmm. doing the song as the band. Like it's a video for that band. Yeah. You know, so you could see this if you didn't know who R.E.M. was <laughs> and it's like the, I feel better video. Oh yeah. You know, or something like that. Like I like that as, as a conceit mm -hmm. and I think it, uh, dovetails really well with the theming of the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, things, things take a turn for the worse for me, uh, here with King of comedy. Yeah. Um, which I, I think the song is really bad. <laughs> um, so this is like uh, this weird, like so much studio fuckery. Yeah, this is like, this like this is this is meant to sound as mechanical as possible. Yes, um, you know, down to the, like these processed vocals and the music being very kind of robotic and lockstep and everything. And I think what is the original uh, title of this is like "Yes, I'm fucking with you." Yeah, yeah. So like it's like, uh, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, that that's a that's a little bit much. Um, and it's got this kind of rep repetition in the uh the lyrics make your that... money with a da -na -da, da -da -da -na -na -da -na. the book compared it to devo and it has none of the kind of like <laughs> like there's no spark to it like like the best devo songs that could like this could be a devo thing but devo doesn't do disaffected vocals no like like, like devo gets, mother's like... ball money with a student you know he'd like yeah. i guess that's fred schneider but like devo would do big you yeah. know like there's so much diseffect to yeah. this. Yeah. Like, and so, like, so this is weird. Like Devo is, but Devo gets you up off your ass. Yeah. <laughs> and th this puts me on my ass. Like it is and not, not in a good way. Like this. And then man, the, the, I'm not the king of comedy. <laughs> like that. You two like guitar line. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Woof, 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 woof. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
and it's not my least favorite song on the album. No, like, I, I just no, I, like, like I, but I really don't like it. Like, yeah. Of of like the like the crazy experiments. Like, so of the of the two that do not sound like REM at all to me, I'd <laughs> rather listen to this than Tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, is my is 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 like where I stand because at least this commits to the bit in a in 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 a way and like you know at 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 the very least it, it it's a kind of novelty novelty that I personally can 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 get on board with like I listen to it and I think like oh like they they were kind of going for a uh, for a Neil Young trans thing almost mm. and they just did like just didn't land because that is actually a really good and sweet album in a way that this is like kind of shitty and ironic. It reminds me of like when somebody says like uh, one of my my mom's friends used to always say uh, I would fuck Mick Jagger, but I wouldn't fuck somebody who looks like Mick Jagger. And <laughs> it's like I would listen to trans, but I don't want to listen to a song that sounds like trans. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it has that kind of thing where it's like if you're not the real deal, if you're not Neil Young, like you can't really pull this off. No, no. You know, this kind of thing. Like, yeah, I think I, I mean, I, I think that, and it's it, this definitely uh, your kind of personal sensibilities. This makes more sense with. Yeah. So the kind of drone and the repetition and stuff like that are some things that you're more sympathetic to. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it hits all of the check marks of a bad song for me, which is like other than long, <laughs> like it's not that long, but right, right. it's droning repetitive. It occupies an incredibly narrow sonic space. Yeah. And then you add on to it like this, like edge esque guitar flourishes <laughs> and it's just like, woof. you know, it just, it just yeah. becomes something that's very hard for me to like. Yeah. And also like they're going around saying, oh, this is our Leonard Cohen song. I don't hear any Leonard Cohen. In no. this. <laughs> Like, no. what are you You've just covered about? a Leonard Cohen song. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, uh, not 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 great. Also, they're like there was a line in this that was like straight up Michael Stipe's attempt to just kind of like again get out and own and be provocative about his sexuality, saying uh, I'm straight, I'm queer, I'm bi. You know, mm. so like again, like kind of reopening that several years after people were making a big deal about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and, it, and it makes sense because the album has all these other sex things with it, too. Mm-hmm. It's just not it doesn't feel like it relates to anything else in the album or in the in the song. You know, that line almost feels like a, a non sequitur. Yeah. yeah. With all that, you know, make your money. Yeah, it, it, just, it, it feels it feels out of place to me. Yeah. Um, after that is I don't sleep. I dream, mm-hmm. um, which is another weird one. I don't I don't love the song. I don't hate it. It's real middle uh, of the road for me. Like it's I super middle of the road. If if I'm gonna have so on this album, if I'm gonna have Michael Stipe singing falsetto, I'd rather him do it at the end of these choruses. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't uh, like. I do like this more than I like tongue. I don't think I hate tongue as much as you do. I think it's like a C minus. It sounds like it's like an F for you. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a C minus D plus. Like I don't I, like that. I, song. I hate to make every song about tongue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but but it's like it, it is a is a point of comparison. Um, this is real plotting, mm-hmm. which is probably the the part of it that I don't like. But that falsetto that pops in, I think, is actually kind of cool. Oh yeah, because uh, it is like tactically deployed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and like like this is written like a, like as a conversation or like an entreaty, like uh, the the line uh, "I'd settle for a cup of coffee, but you know what I really mm-hmm. need." Like this is like straight up like coming on strong on something. It's, it's- it's funny. He's come out and talked about it where he's like, if you listen to it on first read, it's entirely about sex, but it's mm-hmm. about dreaming of sex. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's not just about like that coming out that cup of coffee is kind of a clever thing because mm-hmm. if you think of that in terms of it being about sex, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's, that's the end of the date where it's like, Hey, do you want to have a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's code for, do you want to go upstairs and smash? 
and then the uh and by which i mean play smash brothers brawl <laughs> of course you know, yeah the um <laughs> you're just you're just looking at her intently as on the character select screen like is she and just like, trying to see if she does link or young link because <laughs> yep. they they signify in the cosmo quiz i read they signify different sex styles <laughs> yep. um but you know the cup of coffee is also something that makes you stay awake and yeah. he talks about wanting to interrupt like these dreams you mm-hmm. know so it, it's kind of interesting lyrically mm-hmm. um and it does that that kind of flourish that falsetto flourish it's just like it's a little too plotting for me yeah um to be like something i really love yeah um yeah i I think i engage with this the most on the on the lyrical level um Mm -hmm. and again like it's 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 mostly just a like this dark you know the dark rem that i like and i haven't seen in 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 a Mm -hmm. little while so i think that that might be why i have some affection for it as well yeah that's true like we haven't had this kind of like uh foreboding rem in a little while yeah um star 69 which is a uh a song that charted that was not a single. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking back on this, I thought the video for Crush with Eyeliner was the video for Star 69. It would have fit. Yeah, I was like convinced it was. And I was like, oh, like Star 69, it's the video with the, you know, the Asian kids <laughs> that are dressed up as R.E.M. Yeah. Not the case. Yeah. Um, a very, uh, I think, like pretty slight pop song about telephone. and. <laughs> Yeah, you know? and, and 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 you know, and also like there, like there's a little bit of that the identity piece about just kind of like yeah. getting, getting back to somebody, you know, yeah, identity and connection. Uh, um, you know, like Star Sixty Nine was like a new thing, so this is a little bit like having a having a song about uh, about trains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the worst uh, worst lyrics that REM has done uh, <laughs> is the opening of this, uh, which the rhyming couplet: "You don't have to take the bar exam to see." That what you've done is ignoramus one oh three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so that's very rough. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Like that is yeah. a, that, that that is. Uh, let's not say first draft. Let, let let's call that uh, the the like one half draft. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a real half draft. And like the bar exam is a very specific. Like you need an extra s- syllable there. Mm-hmm. You know the bar is not the bar exam is not a general exam. Right. <laughs> you know you're not. I, I bet you you're not talking to a lawyer uh, in this perspective. Yeah. Um. <laughs> the um the nice part about this and what what makes it stand out for me is you know it does feel of a piece with something like what's the frequency kenneth so it's them you know going back to this kind of like lighter lighter kind of sound um also like it's incredibly fast like this is like it's got this punky kind of pace to it where like i can't even stop and hear him talk about ignoramus 103 (laughs) well he does the the vocals have that tree it has a weird delay on the vocals which Mm -hmm. like this is a thing where i think the fuckery is used in to good effect Mm mm-hmm you know, and it's like it's not all over the entire song. It's not the basis of the song. It's just right. this thing that happens in the vocals and make it makes it do this kind of cool delay, mm-hmm. cool delay and cool echo that pops up uh, that really hits during these kind of choruses, yeah, you know, or the end of lines uh, mm-hmm. rather. So that you know, one oh three, you know, it like does it multiple times. It sounds good, yeah. You know, and the the pace is really refreshing. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is the fastest song we've had. Sends like wolves lower. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that's quite true, but like it feels like we haven't had a fast REM song in like, yeah. but like quite a while. That's that like that's a pretty big part of uh like rock is being able to go really quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it, it just you know even something like what's the frequency kind of which again I, I love that song is yeah. very mid tempo. Yeah, so like that, that is about as like one ten as you can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's nice to have them actually be kind of quick, even if the song is very simple. 
you know, it's it's like a very simple pop song. Like I like the song too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and and you know, it's on that uh, on that tour film uh, thing on that road movie. It's really good. Mm-hmm. There's a really good performance of it. Um, yeah, I dig yeah. this song. Yeah. Um, on to strange currencies, also known as um, let's do everybody hurts again, but with some tact. Like a like a love song version <laughs> of everybody hurts. All right. You know, the, the, I like the song quite a bit. Me too. Like it's a it's a very simple kind of like real standard rock chords, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the kind of distorted song or uh, distorted guitar mm-hmm. on and everything like it sounds a lot like the kind of um, uh, theatrical kind of chamber pop version of, uh, you know, like a Motha Hoople song to me. Yes. like yeah, prom that, rock. Exactly. Like Motha Hoople is a really good uh, touch point for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it really works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it is uh, it is in the classic, like, don't stand so close to me, obsessive lover. Mm hmm. Kind of thing, or the one I love, or any of those songs that sounds like a love song and isn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's so. So what's funny is you know everybody talks about like, oh my gosh, Michael Stipe found his soul voice for everybody hurts. Like he found the voice, but he didn't have the right song for it. Like here, yeah. here, like you know, like <laughs> it actually works here. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it plays into like the overhyped passion, the way too intense, like way too muchness of the lyrical mm-hmm. content. Um, you know, which, you know, it kind of does that, the one I love trick where it sounds much more pleasant than it actually is at first glance at like a really superficial level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the actual, like the song construction does something that feels like they haven't done in a while, which is have, um, kind of weird conversational syntaxes mm-hmm. and quotes in it. Like, um, you know, being self-referential, like, you know, you know, with love comes strange currencies and here is my appeal. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, that follow. So, you know, there's this, like, I'm going to refer to something that's going to come next in the song rather than refer to something external from the song. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that, which I, re- I really like, um, you know, and it, it's, uh, you know, we're even the, you know, these words, you will be mine. Like it's referring to itself in a way mm-hmm. that's a, a lyrical trick. I always love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like, like <laughs> he, he, uh, he rambles in this. In, a, in like in a way that like still fits in like this is a really locked in kind of song with these arpeggiations and stuff but like i love that the, the, that run where he goes i need a chance a second chance a third chance a fourth chance yeah a word a signal and not a That's little breath appeal. like yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, uh it's it's really great um yeah. I, 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 yeah I like this song quite a bit yeah um, that's the closer. It's a good closer yep. uh, for the for the side, as opposed to the uh, the closers we're going to come to, uh, <laughs> which we'll we'll get to. Um, starting up with the tail side, which is the opener, which is uh, Cole's uh, the the metric from which Cole will compare things he dislikes for the rest of his life. <laughs> so, so summer, I've, I'd forgotten about this because I'd removed it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I removed it from my library. Mm. Yeah, this is Cole's summer jam, nineteen ninety four, two presents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, boy uh tongue tongue so this is uh this is another berry joint uh that uh oh, is, it, that, is that true yeah yeah oh i, I yeah i did i did not know that mm. uh musically not lyrically right r- r- yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah. so yeah this is uh the, the, the this is a berry joint um and this is done entirely in falsetto on uh yes. on, on michael stipe's part which uh he's trying to sing like a girl his y- words yes uh, which overstays its welcome and makes the entire thing very unpleasant. Uh, also, I think the song is very, very slow and uh, like it is intentionally like cribbing uh, kind of like soul riffs a little bit um, mm-hmm. or like a, like, like an R and B kind of kind of feel that uh, I don't, I don't generally like when REM goes in for that. I don't, yeah, I don't generally <sighs> like that anyway. 
Um, I agree with you. Like the fall, like wearing out its welcome is a really good way to put it. This this vocal affect mm-hmm. because it's like something I don't dislike inherently, but God, to do, do the whole song <laughs> like that um, and just have no other thing that happened in range, right? You know, in any other range, like mm-hmm. really, really rough. Um, I think that somewhere in there there is a good vocal melody, mm-hmm. which is what stops this from being my like absolute rock bottom thing. Yeah. Um, it's just up an octave higher than it needs to be and <laughs> yeah, on top of a boring song. Yeah. And like fal- falsetto restricts your, uh, your ability to like, uh, let's say project to bring any emotion. Yeah. To, you know, more than, <laughs> more than just, I'm hitting this note as high as I can. Like falsetto is just a, you know, like, like a, like a single coat of paint that is applied. You know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter that you're that high because there's no expressiveness to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, pretty, pretty bad. Like, I think this is a pretty bad song. The organ part in this is really good. Um, if I'm mm-hmm. saying, if I'm saying nice things, like I just, I kind of like, if I listen to this as an instrumental, it'd be like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And when the, uh, the guitar kind of comes in uh-huh. during the bridge, that descending bit, uh, that, that's, that's very nice as well. Yeah. Um, there are a couple good parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dislike this immensely. Yeah. Um, also, I know, I think we're on split on this. Um, I do not like the second single from this album, the next song on this, which is bang and blame. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think the chorus is abysmal and I wish that there was something, something different that they put Mm -hmm. in its place that, that was not just, uh, it, it feels very stipey to go that bang, 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 bang. Like, yeah, like, it feels like, yeah, like that, that, I mean, that's the, the thing I just like about it. Like yeah. the verses and stuff, again, it's a little slow, but I don't yeah. hate it. Like, like, like the verses, you know, like the subject matter, this is really, really menacing. It's, it's about domestic abuse in, in a lot of ways mm-hmm. or an abusive uh, or uh, unhealthy relationship. So like the verses fit. And I also like the, um, like the delay that's put on that, the, 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 the minor guitar chords has kind of like a little Spanish feel to it. Like what, uh, what Peter Buck is hitting. Like mm-hmm. all of that part of it's good. I just like, I wish it <laughs> opened up into something that was not quite as obnoxious. Yeah. It, obnoxious is the good, is a good word for it because it's not, he doesn't sing it quite like the, the version where I'm making fun of it, you know, mm-hmm. bang, bang, bang. But that's what, that's what the melody is, is this like, mm-hmm. do, deep, boop. you know, it, it sounds like somebody impersonating a robot Yeah, in, in a way, like it's just kind of all over the place where no notes are connected, mm-hmm. like in a way to make like a melody really. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's like one, notes, three, it's, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 a uh, it sounds bad mm. to me. Like it's like, oh, this is not a good enough chorus or a good enough. <laughs> like this shouldn't have made it. Yeah, you know, like, and I, it's just two chords. It's really simple. Like it's it's really hard for me to imagine having this as a demo, hearing and being like, yep, I'm gonna put bang, 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 bang over that. You know, mm. as opposed yeah. to being like, oh, this is a bridge. You know, this should go <laughs> into a thing. Yeah. Um, I like the, uh, I like the, the end of the chorus, like that's not my thing. So let it go. Like that sets up, you know, the re-rack for just, again, that really sparse kind of desolate, um, verse really well. I, I think that's cool. I just, I just wish that the, the, the bang and blame were not, uh, were not as, uh, pronounced and as repetitive mm-hmm. and just kind of like, uh, like weirdly saccharine. Yeah. And it's got, it's got, uh, it's uh, too long as well Yeah, yeah. For, for what it is, for is how simple it is, how few kind of parts it has. Um, yeah, like this, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't like doesn't make me hate it, but it's mm-hmm. like I, I just, you know, I never want to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, live performances are a little bit higher energy mm-hmm. and are a little bit more fun, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like th- I could see liking this live or it, videos I've watched of it live kind of come together mm-hmm. better. Yeah. 
um, personnel wise, they got um, Rain Phoenix and uh, Linda Stipe to do uh, backing mm-hmm. vocals on it, uh, which I think that is really good because they they're more of like a, it's almost like a vocal orchestra hit. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um like that is probably the best part of the chorus is when they uh is, is when they just chime in um between and, and rain phoenix is river phoenix's sister yes yeah yeah um in case anybody is i don't know if rain phoenix is famous in her own right or not i've, I've never heard of her um, I, I don't know right? um the video is a uh, black and white um of kind of random energy imagery and then when they show the band it's like a slot machine yeah. it's like split into threes and they kind of shift mm-hmm um, okay, video. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's not really additive. It's not like it's actually taking anything from the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, up next is I Took Your Name, um, which is, is not for me as well. Yeah. And I don't hate it, but it's not for me. It's very middle of the road. Um, yeah. It's like nominally about identity theft or, you know, just like somebody coming in, again, playing with identity in, in, in that way. But like it doesn't it doesn't resonate for me. Um, yeah. You know, a huge way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say to this. There aren't a lot of words to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of these just single declarative kind of uh, statements. Like I sealed your face. I, I crossed the great divide. <laughs> I stirred the ocean tide. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything really to say about it, so we should probably shouldn't belabor it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's middle of the road. I never, I would be fine never hearing again in my life. Mm hmm. For me, like it's 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 a little plodding, a little bit, a little bit slow. Yeah. To me, um, I really like "Let Me In," which I didn't. You know, I was kind of surprised. Like, it doesn't feel like it's the type of song I would it, like. It doesn't. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like a Gary song at all. I was very surprised to hear you say that. Actually. Yeah. But I, I actually really like this song. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the uh, the explicit Kurt Cobain tribute song. Yeah. Um, and like, as somebody, like, I think uh, writing a song about somebody who's killed themselves is very tricky. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can make that song suck. Uh, pretty easily by making it really uh, kind of direct. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my uncle who was in a bunch of rock bands had like a song about one of his friends that killed himself. And like, I just remember it being like a figure of fun kind of thing for me because it was like, uh, you know, brother, why'd you do it? You know, it was like, like mother by dancing. (laughs) More or less what it sounded like, except it was about, you know, if you would, you know, like, you know, I wish I could, talk to you you know and this is kind of that thing but it feels more honest and vulnerable yeah yeah to me and like it's just this has like really really good imagery like Mm -hmm. you know like you know yeah the stars all drip down like butter and like we hold out our pans uh, with our hands to catch them and drink them you know like these like really really kind of great uh imagery during the the verses of this Mm -hmm. um you know like i had you know and, and when he gets direct which it's like feels earned because it comes near the end you know, I had, uh, had a mind to try to stop you to let me in. Well, I got tar on my feet. I can't see all the birds that look down and laugh at me clumsy and crawling out of my skin. Like there's really good, like kind of lyrics to this Yeah, that have like an emotional truth to them. Yeah. And for as much as this is a song that is directed, you know, at, at, at Kurt Cobain there, there, there's a broader appeal to this, which is, you know, it's about that particular situation, but also it's about desperately wanting to help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Or who is not allowing themselves to be helped, you know? So like, this is, this is also about like him. It's also about the relationship, the person who desperately wants to reach out, you know, to, you know, to, 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 to be let in. And so like, I think that's where a great deal of the honesty comes from. And actually what makes this lyrically resonate in in, in a way that extends beyond just being a tribute to Kurt Cobain. Yes. Yeah. It it is, it is, it feels universal. Yeah. 
uh, to that thing. Because everyone, even if you don't know someone who's killed themselves, you've been in that kind of position. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it's all just this kind of uh, guitar for most of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, until this keyboard line. Uh, Mike Mills plays guitar on the song mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Peter Buck plays keyboard. And that naivete that comes from Peter Buck is really great. Like the organ line that pops into this is really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the guitar is pretty simple uh, during this, but it's because it's, it's, you know, in the back seat. Yeah. You know, um, this, the, the one thing that I dislike about this is the, the effect on the guitar. Um, oh really? Yeah. I don't, I don't much care for it because I hear it and I think like, this is, this is the setting that I would, that, that I would trip or the set of pedals I would use to like completely cover up. Um, and make it sound like it is like, you know, a fuzzy, a fuzzy rock song kind of thing. So it becomes a, it becomes this kind of monotonous kind of, you know, wash over everything when I would actually like, like to hear it more distinctly. Um, Mm. and the way that it's mixed actually puts, you know, puts what Michael Stipe is saying and actually hides the message. Um, and again, hides that kind of range beneath that wall of fuzz. Um, and you know, having, having seen them perform this live, that comes out better just because they can't actually like make it this one flat wall of, you know, wall of sound like they, like they do in the, mm-hmm. in, in the album version. I just think it's really regrettable because I want to, uh, I want it to be laid a little bit more bare. I, I actually like it the way I think that that's a strength, hmm. not a weakness. Like I like that it becomes this kind of distorted wall of just kind of noise. I think that like expresses the kind of the emotionality of it really well, hmm. you know? So like, I, I get what you mean with it being it taking too much space, kind of sonically, but I think that this is kind of an expression of grief or this kind of uh, regret. Like it feels more pure to me, like to not have like obvious, like, like to have it not even almost sound like an instrument, Mm -hmm. you know, just this kind of like box you turn on that makes the sound and song, you know, and then like the instrument that does come in is that very simple keyboard melody that kind of uh, matches the vocal melody. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that like, it ends up actually really working for me. Yeah. Not that it doesn't work live, but like, I actually like that on the record. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a, it reminds me of like, um, it's like a Brian, Eno, um, like, uh, uh, the, here comes the warm, warm jets, which like, I like mm-hmm. that when it gets kind of distorted Yep. and you listen to it and you just, uh, you put it on your headphones and it just washes over you. Like you're not really listening to individual sounds. You're just kind of being bowled over by something. Yeah. It has that effect for me. Yeah, I mean, um, like, I just, I think this is a very striking song. Like, it's actually, like, really bracing in its honesty. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it, it feels like a very appropriate tribute. I just, there, there's something about that guitar sound that rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yep. and, and that's, like, such a shitty thing to, like, get in the way of liking something like this. <laughs> I, like, anything can get in the way of, of liking something if you just, yeah. you know, just don't like it. Like, there are whole bands I don't like just because I don't like the singer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't listen to... Uh, What's it said? They had a, that uh, speak singy band, even though I think their songs are kind of good because he speaks sings. Cake, um, not cake. Um, <laughs> the uh, they're, they're big. Uh, they're still kind of big. It's got um, Nikolai something like that's the key uh, the keyboard player. Um, um, uh, the the hold steady. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think those guys have good songs. I don't want to listen to some like a fat guy with glasses just kind of talk about being young <laughs> like ever, you know, like I just, you know, I, I like sing, sing your fucking song, man. Like I yeah. don't, you know, I, like I can't handle the way that, so it doesn't even matter if I can listen to the song and be like, yeah, this would be good if somebody was singing it. <laughs> like, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. You just don't you know? have the time of day. 
Yeah. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce Springsteen sings. Like I know you guys are trying to be Bruce Springsteen. He sings songs like, yep. you know, don't do that for every song. At least sing the chorus fuckers. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, so it just, it just becomes this thing where I just don't want to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Even if the rest of the song can sound really good to me, you know? So it's like, I, I get like the one thing kind of holding you back and it just being like, yeah, that's just not how I would have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, or how I would have preferred it. Um, well, and these maniacs didn't uh, close the album with that. <laughs> what the they fuck put two are they of, like, Two of the, I think, some of, two of the worst REM songs at the oh. end of this record. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm with you on Circus Envy. I kind of like you. You like you? I hate you. <laughs> uh, like I, I not you, but like I hate, yeah, I hate I the song you. you. Yeah. Like, um, it doesn't even like it, it's just and it's it's when I found out about the origin of you, like it makes sense because that's what it sounds like mm-hmm. to me. Like it feels like it's constructed from studio scraps. Yeah. And and that's how they wrote it. But let's do uh, Circus Envy first, because that's a really bad song. Um, Man, at least it's short. If I were you, I'd really run from me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Michael Stipe. Um, (laughs) Okay, bud. Um, Yeah, I I think this song is real bad. And I always think he says hunk a man, and he's actually saying on command. Uh But it says it like that kind of shitty Elvis voice and just like (laughs) hunk a man. And then. This this bass like like this is Mike Mills like built around a Mike Mills bass riff mm-hmm. and it's so regrettable because he's my sweet and good boy and he's doing this what are you ZZ Top like get out of my REM album and like like weirdly this is the like this is the song that gets the the album title drop you know make way for Monster Jealousy like come on yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it's um, I, I don't understand really what they're going for, like with the imagery in this either. Like, it's a very kinetic song from the, you know, like, like the situations they're describing. Uh, but I don't know what it adds up to other than like, I'm a bad, bad man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is supposed to be to me. This is uh, as much as I don't like uh, like sexy songs. This is the, the unnatural worst version of it mm-hmm. because it's got a little bit of that slink. Yeah, you know that like now 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 now. That's like a little bit of like you know that that sleazy, dick rock mm-hmm. to me. And uh, this is the worst possible version of that. So even though I don't like that in generally, there are better way better versions of it that I find way more acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Than this, and then the chorus. Who even knows what's going on in it? <laughs> like it becomes it becomes this incomprehensible chorus. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Real real rough number. Yeah. Uh, it's it, yeah. This is uh like it it, it hasn't been kicked out of the uh kicked out of the library uh, just mm-hmm. because it is it, it it is so short but like i i don't understand why this is why this is uh you know why it's after let me in mm-hmm. yeah and then the album ends with you uh which we mentioned mm-hmm. um which i think is better than circus envy yeah but i i don't i don't like this song very much I, so so i like it because it you know again this whole retroactive remind reminder kind of thing like it is slinky um it it, it is kind of uh cock rocky in mm-hmm. you know in, in in some ways that kind of speak to me specifically like it reminds me of some things that you would see on like uh like maybe the first two albums of like queens of the stone age like this this feels like like something josh homie would have like arrived at mm-hmm which I understand, yeah. like that's not how time works, but like that, like, <laughs> <laughs> but but, but uh, there's something in both of these that like makes me makes me like it uh, when it pops up in both. Yeah, it, it is a mess. Like it doesn't hang together. Like it is it is just riffs the whole way. Yeah, it, it's it doesn't sound like an REM song to me, and it doesn't feel like it plays to their strengths at all. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if this had been 
you know, like, and I'm not, I'm not as big a, like, I like Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. I'm not as big a, I think in general, you are a bigger rock fan than I am. Mm-hmm. Like music that can be called rock without an adjective, <laughs> you know, in general, yeah. like, which is how I would classify Queens of the Stone Age more or less. Yeah. You know, a rock or hard rock band. Um, the, uh, maybe this coming from a different band, I would like it more, mm-hmm. um, because it just doesn't, it, it doesn't cohesive, you know, it doesn't, uh, it isn't cohesive and it feels like, like, I don't know, like it always feels like this kind of thing coming out of REM feels forced to me, Yeah, you know, and it ends with it like that when it starts going at the end where it's like, turn to you, like this, like loud thing over and over, um, over the, like that, ding, 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 like that, uh, kind of middle Eastern yeah, you know, right. I'm setting, I, you know, Arabian Nights guitar. <laughs> like it just, it sounds like a random mess. Like it feels like a bunch of songs threw up into this to me. Yeah, and I'm down you know? for that because I like, they, again, I like the noisy stuff. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm uh, fine. I'm fine with a little, with a little bit of dissonance because, like, I, I really like noise. We got to find yeah. out what the the difference is, but because like uh, <laughs> when, you, when you I when I say that, that, I'm like, yeah, you know, I keep saying like I like noise. I love noise. Like, <laughs> just like, but to me, like the like let me in is noise. Okay, you know that that's like an expression of like like a kind of noise, like a soundlessness. Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder what the, what the actual difference is. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm, I'm fixing on like discordant, uh, kind of like very disparate elements that are, you know, that, 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 that are, that are put together in a way that shouldn't make sense, but there's something in the synthesis that, 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 that makes it work as opposed to let me in, which is kind of a, a, a pervasive and intentional, um, kind of like texturing over top of stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. like a texture noise versus like, a uh, you know, a melodic noise almost, yeah. yeah. you know, it's like you're, you're talking about the, the relationship between two different elements as opposed to like mm-hmm. a texture right, of right. one element. Yeah. And I'm down for both. Um, yeah. I, I like when they, when, when they play with each other, you know, when, when mm. one will segue into the other, where just like a couple of different motifs, uh, will kind of crash into each other. I can understand you a little bit, um, as, as kind of this, uh, <laughs> like picture this album being them like setting five different trains on tracks, all heading for the same station. Mm. Um, you be in the place where they all collide. I don't know that it does. You know, I I don't know that it deserves. I don't know that it works as an album closer. Um, given that, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, even if we, you know, we disagree about the qualities of the song, at least we can probably agree that like it's a pretty bad closer. Right, right. Um, um, you know, or at least like you know, it's it's kind of inappropriate. And they just like, I think they just kind of fell in love with it in the studio. But mm-hmm. you know, it is a, a real studio like cobbled together thing. If, if yeah. it is that, if this is the, the compilation of all those trains hitting each other, it speaks really poorly of the album to me. Yeah. You know, like it just like, and even going through this, it's like, man, like I have good things to say, like maybe one song left less than half <laughs> of the, the songs on this record. Yeah. Going back. Like, through, uh, so, Oh, good. Sorry. No, I was, I was going to move us into first and worst. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you, if you had no, another point. no, no, I was, I was, I was going to take us there as well. I think that the, there's an amazing EP here. Um, I will generally probably just to be uh, contrary and like come to its defense more than, mm-hmm. more than I ought to again, forgetting that tongue exists because it will probably leave my library after this, but yeah, mm-hmm. like it does speak poorly of the album. If you as was representative of all the elements colliding, because like it is all over the fucking place. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's something where I think uh, it's just a, a really good example of experiments not working yeah. for me. Like, I like that they're stretching. I don't think they're good stretches. I'm glad they gave it up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty rare. Even the songs that came out in New Adventures don't feel like they're of a piece with this. Right. Even the ones they performed on tour mm-hmm. with this. Like, Undertow doesn't sound like a monster song, no. you know? And uh, so I'm like, this is a weird blip where, like, they kind of, like, a lot of these things are literal dead ends. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you can't look at their later songs and be like, oh, this is like this is a real circus envy kind of thing, you know, <laughs> or this is them doing, you know, and I took your name or this is them doing a, a king of comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it just doesn't kind of kind of doesn't happen. Like they gave up on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad the boys got it out of their system. Um, out of the ones we've done so far, this is my least favorite album. Hmm. I think I don't like I don't dislike it more than Around the Sun because I'm not a maniac. Um, you know? <laughs> yeah. At least we always have Around the Sun. Yeah, Around the Sun it can always be our you know the collective hate object for REM. Hmm. But like going back to it, it didn't sound better than I thought. Like I was like expecting. Like I liked it when it came out because I was an REM super fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it never listened to it. When I revisited it, I was kind of meh, and I was kind of expecting like coming back to it to be like, you know, this is actually kind of you know. It was kind of good. And I yeah. tried, like I was like looking for the strengths yeah. and just didn't hear them, yeah. you know, for the most part, like doesn't, doesn't really work for me. Yeah. I, I think like, like, like this is in this weird little, uh, like Schr- Schrodinger's pair with, uh, with document for me actually. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, a document also was not something I really, uh, upon a revisit was not wild for either. Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's a, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Um, you know, where is it? Like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about up. Like up weirdly, <laughs> like I've been doing a general re-listen, uh-huh. you know, oh, and like yeah. up, has, you know, and and up has aged really well mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um. What's what's uh what's our first and worst on this bad boy? Um. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be boring. I'm gonna say first is Crush with Eyeliner. Okay. Yeah. Um. That's a, I'm not bored by that at all. <laughs> no, I was about to say uh, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Because like that is a song that like I think I've I've probably had more of in my life, and I think I'm always down for it. But I think Crush with Eyeliner is more interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and worst is going to be tongue. Oh, for you. what if you can't, what if you can't do tongue? Uh, then we have to be king of comedy. Um, yeah, yeah just, just, just because uh, like, so like, mm, no, I'm not going to equivocate cause I was about to say circus envy. Uh, but like king of comedy just doesn't sound like it belongs. Like, yeah. it, like if it's a matter of like, get rid of the experiments that don't work, at least circus envy feels of a piece. Um, with, yeah, you know, yeah. With, it's with a generic rock song. Like it doesn't. Yeah. 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 Um, I would I would probably say what's the frequency, Kenneth, or let me in. Those are my two favorite songs mm-hmm. on the album. Um, you know, crush or what's the frequency, Kenneth? Definitely when I was younger, and then let me in. You know, grew on me with this listen. That was like the surprise. Yeah, for me coming back to it. Um, and then and I like I like Crush with Eyeliner quite a bit, but I would probably be one of those two. And then um, on the downside, like is probably going to be King of Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I, I think that song is really, really terrible. I'll, but I'll, Circus Envy gets honorable mention. Okay, cool. I was going to ask you to to to, to give your uh, to give your backup school your safety. School. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like I I don't like tongue. I just I think that it's like I never want to listen. I literally never want to listen to it. I just think that it's like at least doesn't sound. You know, it doesn't embarrass me as much as like it's tiresome <laughs> as opposed to hunk of man. <laughs> you know, it doesn't embarrass me. Right. Like uh, like Circus Envy does. Um, but there's, there's just like so many like C minuses on this for me. Like, like it's hard to pick a worst, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is the first time that's happened. You know, it's usually, there's a clear runaway, like, you know, um, there's not very many B sides on this. No, no. Uh, they, they, they're singles. They just did live versions of things, which at first I was contemptuous about because I like B sides, Mm -hmm. but then realized the reason why they did that is at least in part because they didn't tour for the last two albums. And Mm -hmm. some of those are live versions from those songs. Right. So, like, if you wanted to hear live versions from anything from the last couple albums, mm-hmm. it was hard to do. Yeah. Um, so, and we don't talk about live versions that are on B-sides generally. No, no. Um, there are a couple of other songs, though, that did pop up uh, on the on compilations and the like. Yeah. Um, so, Sex Bomb 
Uh, who's this a cover of? I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't I didn't see it. I, I lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my research or whatever. Yeah, you you, you send over the notes. I like this. Um, I, mm-hmm. I like I like that kind of like super spacey punk. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially with like Stipe whispering over it and like weird feedback, uh, kind of coming in and just like weird panning and separation going on. Um, this is cool. It's, it's real weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, this is not bad. Like this is kind of interesting. Um, I also don't know where, so they also covered, uh, Chris Isaac's wicked game and there's a studio version of this. They mm-hmm. did the cover live, but they also did a studio version and I don't know exactly what that's for either. Like some compilation or some soundtrack or something. Um, that's a song I've always had some affection for. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a good song. Our, our record label back in DeKalb, uh, we all covered it. We did a, a compilation called Strange or Strange What Desire Makes Foolish People Do. Hmm. And it was just all of us covering Wicked Game in different ways. Oh, nice. Uh, which is which is pretty fun because, like, you know, a couple of people did straight things, but myself and others did some real weird deconstructions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very fun. But I always liked this song. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know Christmas what to make singles. of Christmas of Tunisia, Christmas in Tunisia. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, why is it you can't make it like an instrumental Christmas song is weird kind of in general, <laughs> especially you know? when there's really no like Christmas instrumentation in it. Yeah, <laughs> you at least need to have sleigh bells over the shit. It's this like organ based, like funky instrumental thing. It's kind of good, but it's it's weird. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know why it's like I you know, what I think happened was they had an instrumental and they needed to do a Christmas song for the mm. Christmas thing. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that, that. feels about right. Was that the me. same thing that happened to Hot Java? Boy. <laughs> um, hot java is uh extremely weird and bad uh it's, um, it's like a ragtime song right they have a ragtime with him kind of like speak singing about uh coffee yep. and sharing coffee with people like get yourself a hot java <laughs> <These are friends. laughs> it's really really fucking weird um, yeah. um it's it's very disposable <laughs> yeah it's disposable is a good way way to put it yeah. and then finally um for a compilation that they did they have this song called sponge which i had never heard of uh before which is weird because like a lot of the officially released things i did here um and it is a super super sludgy like monster outtake mm-hmm. um super super sludgy yeah if you're down with that you're going to be down for it i think it's fine it's pretty middle of the road i i'm kind of happy it didn't make it onto the album because it would yeah uh, i don't it really would have dragged we the, had enough of that yeah like did we did we need any more of that? No. Right. You know, it doesn't. Um, and there's um some songs that are written around here, but get official releases later that we're going to talk about. There's mm-hmm. a Revolution, which is for the Batman Robin uh, soundtrack. Same thing that has Kiss Me, Throw Me, Kill Me, Kill Me. <laughs> um, and the uh, and then the uh, songs that they toured for for New Adventures, which we're talking about next time, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about because uh, depending on, you know, the the month or whatever, uh, my favorite REM album is either New Adventures or Reckoning. Mm-hmm. Like, I love New Adventures and Hi-Fi. Yeah. Really excited to talk about it. Yeah. And um, that's, that's yeah. what we're talking about next time. Yeah. Um, as mentioned before, we're doing a dead letter office too. So if you have uh, questions and things like that, keep an eye on our social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will put yeah. out the, the call. Yeah. Like uh, you, you, you probably have like, you have very little time uh, before yeah. we record this. So, so actually do uh, yeah send those in and then uh, contact uh, duck feed uh, contact at duck feed, the contact form. Yeah. That's what we want. The contact form at duck feed tv uh with your questions right yeah um otherwise uh go and check out our patreon patreon.com slash tv it's how this show is possible um it supports the entire network um of the uh of shows that we do and uh, we really appreciate everybody who has given us support on that in the past 
Yeah. And then ratings, reviews, things like that are all very appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that that's probably about it. Um, we're on a little bit of a timetable, so we're going to cut the uh, that stuff a little bit short. Mm-hmm. But uh, thank you very much for your support, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And until next time, it is the end of the podcast as we know it. And we feel fine. Thank you.